Aren't you glad to be in the house of God today? Man, I'm so glad you're here. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, are you the one with the pancakes? Because we came here for the pancakes. No, that's uh, Scott and uh, his team outside. I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met. Uh, my wife, Pastor Erin, and I, we, uh, by the direction of God, we planted the church about five years ago uh, here in Airdrie. And this is our city, and this is where our kids go to school. And uh, if we haven't met, come and meet us uh, after the service, or we'll see you out in the lobby, or we'll see you eating pancakes. Um, if I'm, like, like, super honest, this is as country as we get. And if, <laughs> yeehaw! If you're looking for like a country church, this is going to be like a, not a country church. <laughs> but we love you, and you can you can wear a hat if you want to. I, I I somebody lent me a cowboy hat, and I just chickened out. I didn't want to. I feel like it would throw me off up here. It's a lot. It's a lot to put on your head if you've never had one on your head before. My daughter Elish had to find some country songs for the playlist outside, and she's like, "Dad, I just want to know that that's what you want." And I'm like, yes. She's like, just want to check back in and make sure you're still cool with country music outside. And we are. Thanks, Sean. Hey, I'm going to get, um, can we give the worship team just a hand? Not because they're awesome, but because God is awesome and they just work really hard. So thank you, worship team. We're in a series called uh, Shark Week. And if you haven't uh, registered your kids, you're watching online or you're watching from the campsite, welcome to church. Uh, if you haven't registered your kids, not this week, but next week to our day camps, you really want to get them here. And, and here's what I would say about that. Um, somebody's got a neighbor who, who's not going to go to church, but they'll go if their kids go to a day camp at a church. And then they meet some of you and they're like, oh, okay, these are like relatively normal people. You got to own it. You just go, yeah, we're totally normal here. Um, now, where we left the sermon last week, this is a, a whole series about Jonah. And uh, have you heard the story, Jonah and the whale? Well, it's like a great big fish. And you're like, well, this religion needs to be serious. And, you know, being swallowed by fish isn't serious. And I'm thinking, like, weirder things have happened in the world, everybody. Um, if Han Solo can make a tauntaun a sleeping bag for Luke Skywalker, Jonah can live in a fish. Come on, somebody, say amen. That's what I got. Um, now, this is where we left it at the end of last uh, uh, Sunday. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Today's sermon is called Pinocchio's Song, as in Jonah's song that he wrote while inside a fish. It's going to be great. Um, now, listen, the fish Uber is not God's plan for your life, but we select it when we're on the run away from God's plan for our lives. So it's, it's like, sometimes we get angry at God, but God's like, sorry, um, when the Uber came up and you're like, you chose the fish, right? And sometimes we get angry at God with where our decisions have landed us, but God is like, well, hold on now, hold on. And so we're gonna get into this here because if the enemy of our souls is good at anything right now, he's really good at painting the outside of a great big fish on Uber like it's a Ferrari. So, you know, like you're scrolling and you're like, this seems too good to be true. It's called sin. <laughs> this seems too good to be true, but it looks cheap. Is this too soon to get into this? Do I need to? 
preach at a different church here. Come on, like help me preach a little bit. So, which is like sin, you know, like, hey, this looks easy. This looks cheap. It, it looks too good to be true. And you don't really realize until you get in and all the, all the doors lock, you don't really realize that it's not a Ferrari. It's actually not taking you to your destiny. It's not taking you to where God designed you. It's not taking you to where God will provide for you. It's take, you're in a fish and you're stuck in a fish and you're basically going in the wrong direction and you don't really realize it until all the doors lock in the fish. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever thought about it like this, but, but can you imagine being the fish? And you're like, I think there's a prophet in here somewhere. Like, ever swallow anything without chewing? And the fish eventually has to cough up this prophet hairball. Nobody thinks about the fish. It's because I love animals, everybody. Three days and three nights inside of a fish. Where's pastor going with this? I don't even know, so just hang on. Three days and three nights inside of a fish. You know that at some point, you're gonna doze off inside of that fish. Some of y'all are panic sleepers. You go to sleep whenever anything bad happens. But you're inside of a fish. You're there for three days and three nights. That takes a lot of energy. You're gonna get tired and then you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be in a fish when you wake up. Have you, have you ever, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever woken up? This is like the story of my life. I've woken up and then, I've woken up to a situation that my decisions have landed me in. Guys do this all the time in marriage. We're like, I thought things were good. And then she's like, and it's over. And we're like, but we thought that. All the guys are like, should I respond to this? Is that? <laughs> it's true. You know, or you wake up in this financial situation and all of a sudden you wake up and you realize I'm inside of a fish. My finances are inside of a fish right now. Things are really bad. And <laughs> it doesn't look like it's going to get much worse than this because it's kind of worse already. Or, um, or you wake up inside of a fish in your attitudes. Come on, somebody got too much attitude out there. You're just like negative. I mean, if there's one bad thing in the world going on, you know about it and you know all about it and you got to tell everybody all about it. And God did 90 great things in your life and you're just like, that doesn't matter. This matters over here because this thing happened in Turkey and they're charging too much for fish. Can you believe it? Or you thought things at work were going okay, and then you lost your job, or you lost the client, or, or you start your own company, and you didn't know that you should be saving your own taxes, and you tax evaded by mistake, and now you owe a lot. Or you thought things were going well with your kids, but because your kids weren't in Venue kids and in youth group, all of a sudden you wake up when they're 16 and you realize like, this is not what I had in mind for uh, 16. And you wake up and there's a situation in your life that's just inside of a fish. You get trapped in your own head about something. All of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, man, everything in here is toxic. How did it get here? Like, how did I end up inside of a fish? And you know that you like wake up and it happens and you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach and you're just like, Oh God, help me. Like, oh God, if you get me out of this and then you make a bunch of promises that you don't intend to keep. There was a guy, um, this will make you feel better about your life. There was a guy that I knew, his name was uh, uh, Joel. And, um, and uh, not Joel over there, Joel. This is a guy I used to work with. I was in the trades world, so I was an electrician. 
And um, Joel was um, one of my apprentices on one of my job sites. And so Joel, he was a super friendly guy, like super friendly, but he just wasn't a good electrician. So like super friendly and great, but um, so Joel one day, we were doing these things called wiring decks. I could explain it, but it was a big condo building. And I'm like, okay, so I explained it to him. Here's what we do. We wire it this way, super simple. And I'm like, we need to do as many of these as quickly as we can. So I came back after a few hours and I said, how many decks have you wired? And he goes, I'm on my second. And I said, how's it going? He goes, really good. And I'm like, but it's not really, cause I just did six. <laughs> so it's not going well. You know, and Joel was one of those guys, he just, it was so bad that he didn't know that it was that bad. Right? Like, he didn't even know that it was that bad. This, this guy, Joel, one time, one time, he goes, uh, he goes to me, hey, um, hey, Corey, can I get, I need to get off tomorrow a, a little bit early. And I was pretty lenient with that sort of thing, because I'm thinking like he's got a dentist appointment or something, you know. And he goes, I need to get off, and I, so I asked a follow-up question. Follow-up questions are powerful, y'all. The second question, like, so I said, why? Like, what for? And he goes, well, I'm not finished my hockey pool. <laughs> and you might not know what a hockey pool is. It's like, you, I think you pick like your favorite uh, players and then there's an accumulation of points. And basically a non-paying hobby. And he was already planning the, the day before to not have enough time to finish his hockey pool when his friends finished it. And so I'm like, Joel, I'm like, do you not know that you're on the chopping block for the company right now? Like if anybody gets fired this month, it's you. Like one of the other guys could ask the boss's wife out on a date and you're still the one who's gonna get fired. That's how bad it is. That's where we're at. And he doesn't even know that it's that bad. Well, that happens to us. And these things sneak up on us and we don't even know that it's that bad. Uh, but we're on our way to getting fired with something. Or we're on our way to a disconnection. Or, or you've been playing with fire in your, in your purity life and you just keep telling yourself, it's only me and it, it doesn't have to. And come on. And we're just like, hey, it's just going to... But sooner or later, I don't know how many of these moments I've had where I just wake up and I'm just wake up to myself. It's like the prodigal son waking up and realizing I'm living in a pig pen eating what pigs eat. This is not what God intended for my life. Now, um, Jonah turns his life around in this moment because he actually writes a song and today's sermon is about it's an entire chapter devoted to a song that has been written down through the ages that he wrote inside of a fish. Because when we're inside of a fish, if you can get over the survival instinct and get over the self-pity and the blaming, because nobody wakes up in a fish and is like, this is on me, I, I climbed into this fish. If you can get over some of these things, there's something that we're just gonna help you get into. There's something at the end Maybe in the song that we respond to the Lord after the word of God is preached, maybe there's going to be a song that you can write that actually is written down that will define the rest of your life. And it's written in the worst part of your life. King David used to write some of the Psalms from inside a fish. King David one time, 
he took a census of Israel and, um, and God has said like, hey, don't trust in horses and chariots. Don't trust in warriors. I'm the one who fights your battles. Um, but David, he went from starting small, but all of a sudden his army had like 1.3 million or something like that people in it. And he started getting like, hey, we're doing well. You know, hey, we got a lot of dollars in the bank account. Hey. And he started like, hey, I'm going to do a census of this. And the person that he gave the census to knew he's like, that's not, he was like the commander of his army. He's like, that's not how we win our battles. That's not how we fight our battles, King David. I don't want to do this. And he dragged his feet. And he's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And King David started counting things that didn't matter. Because that's not how we fight our battles. And then God brought judgment to Israel because when you're a leader, it affects your people. Come on, moms and dads. And brought judgment to Israel. And, um, and David wrote a song when that happened. David, in the worst personal decision of his life, he took, remember his mighty man that I preached about a few weeks back? One of his mighty men, who was one of his best friends, he had him killed so that he could take his wife. And then after that, after the judgment, he wrote Psalm chapter 51. It's a powerful song. If you're struggling with sin, it's a powerful song of repentance. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. My sin has... How do you know this by heart, Pastor? That the bones that you have broken may rejoice, O God. He ends with, and I will offer sacrifices. I will offer a sacrifice. To... There's a song you can write inside of a fish that'll change everything for you. Fish Ubers are God's way of recalculating. You ever been on like Apple Maps or Google Maps? You remember it used to be like, you take a wrong turn and it's like recalculating recalculating and I'm like I don't have time to recalculate I'm 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 driving too fast <laughs> recalculating recalculating I was in Toronto a couple weeks back and Apple Maps just gave up Apple Maps was like turn right I guess <laughs> like there's so many lanes just pick one just go we'll get there you know fish ubers when you land yourself in those places with your decision and then your next decision and your next decision fish ubers are God's way of recalculating Hey, recalculating. Hey, you're not going where you need to go. Hey, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get there in that transport and you're not going to get there following those directions. Recalculating, recalculating. Now, here's the big idea for today, all right? And I wish that every new Christian would, would understand this and hear this because if you don't get this, you're going to build a lot of things on a foundation that you don't really understand how God actually does things. And so are you ready for the big idea today? Just lean in a little bit because some of you have been going to church for 30 years and you're going to have to go back now to this point. And some of the building is going to fall down a little bit. But when it does, it can be built on a foundation which is actually real and actually the way that God is, not the way that you want him to be. And then you will actually be able to build it because some things in your life are falling to pieces and you're sort of mad at God about it, but you're building on a wrong foundation that's not God. You ready? Here's, here's our big idea. God's direction for your life is progressive progressive catch us catch us it's not complicated it's progressive which means when god speaks to you you're like show me 20 years from now and god's like y'all are short cutters canadians i do that but you but there's like rivers and lakes and traps and you just take the shortest path to there 
you'd skip all the character parts that you need. You're just like, I just want to get married and have children. And God's like, in your current state, you're not going to raise good children because you're not ready. You're not ready. I just want to find my man, God. Come on, ladies. God's like, if he's ready, it won't work because you're not ready. He's like, I know. I have somebody picked for you. Come on, single. Where are my single ladies at? All the single ladies? All the Hey, don't worry about him. Worry about you. There's his work in your life is progressive, which means he doesn't give you more directions than the next one. Oh, this hurts somebody like me. I'm just like, just show me the end, man. I, I, I'm a shortcut. I'll get there. God's like, yeah, you get there, but you get there without character and you'll get there without the pain and you'll get there without. I worry about people who learn a lot of things without learning it through pain. I worry. You can fill your head up with knowledge, everybody, like our society is, but it doesn't make you a good decision maker because wisdom comes through pain. Wisdom is the application of knowledge in the right time. I think the smarter we are, the harder we, we are to connect with because we think that we know everything about everything. So you wake up inside a fish. Ready. Now listen. When he leads, he leads perfectly, but he leads progressively. One thing builds on the previous thing. One command builds on the previous command. But here's what I do, and I think if I can take some liberties, here's what you do. You're like, I don't want to turn left here because you just gave me something to do that I don't want to do. So I'm going to like skip over that one. And can we just have the next one, please? Now, they'll let you do that in school today. But God won't because he leads progressively. One thing builds on the next. If I miss this turn, ready? And my next turn is a right turn, and I just go straight to the right turn, then I'm over here, but God's over here. And then the next turn, it's gonna start taking me back to where I, you know what I'm saying? It's progressive, he leads progressively. You can't just skip a step and take the next turn. And one bad decision, ready, 50,000 decisions ago, can land you in a place with your heart and your mind and your understanding and your, where you don't want to be right now. I get, I get asked this all the time. It's about like sexuality now. It's about, and people get way out here and then they're like, pastor, tell me this is how God made me. And I'm like, what you really want me to do, I think, is tell you that you're happy, but happy people don't need to be told that they're happy. So what you really want me to say is every decision that got you here was the right decision? I can't say that about my life. The fact that my kids love Jesus at all is a miracle from heaven. It is. It's okay to say amen there. I'm not going to hurt my feelings. I already know, right? So We made a decision way back here or somebody hurt you way back here or you did something that hurt somebody way back here and sin separates and then the separation just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and we just start going in all these directions and then we land over here and we know we're subconsciously we know we're not where God wants us to be because we're not happy and listen joy joy is 10% circumstantial and it says in the word of God joy belongs to the Lord which means he's got the happy switch and if you're not happy listen what you're trying to do is get, is get God to be okay so so where do I go now and God's like so here's the deal about God it's progressive it's supposed to come from the thing before it Watch this, watch this. 
God never forgets what he told you to do because he's secretly worried he told you the wrong directions. That's why it's hard to parent your kids because you're not, you know, come on, I got kids. Just be honest with me. You're like, if you don't clean your room, I'm going to break both your legs. But then you don't. Don't act like you don't have kids. Seriously, all the single people are like, oh, that's not how I would raise kids. That's because you don't have kids. You look at mom in the grocery store with a little Hitler and you're like, oh, that child is so undisciplined. I would raise that child with love. My mom's like, you need to raise that child with something other than love right now. You know, raise that child with some discipline. You need to send that child to Pastor Richard's boot camp. Where you learn how to like act like a person that somebody can live with. Come on, parents, like I just teed you up for that. And you're like letting all these single people like run circles around you right now. Listen, but we're worried about it, right? Because when you lead, you don't know all things. You don't know, have all the information about when people come to us for marriage counseling. I know that, I know that even if they had all the information, I wouldn't hear it because nobody's ever going to be like, oh, this is all on me, man. No, my husband, he's not bad. This is all me. I'm an idiot. Like nobody does that. Even if they were perfectly honest, they'd be honest about things they don't really understand because you're not God. So when God leads you, he leads perfectly. But here's the deal about God. For him to unspeak what he spoke, he's never given you a wrong word of direction before. For him to unspeak it or for you to go to God and try to get him to unspeak it and just jump ahead to the next thing would make him unfaithful and unholy. But he's not. Because he's perfect. His way is perfect. He has never led you in a, in a way that would that would lead you astray. He's never done that. That's what we do. That's what the devil does. So, um, now here's, here's the deal. How your dad led you is how you'll think. That's how it, it informs how you interact with your heavenly father. Just, just give me a second. Cause some of y'all, your dads were absent. They didn't even care enough to be there. They didn't even care enough to be there and yell at you. You know what I mean? And so, when, when you're trying to connect with God, or if your dad was very unwise, you get to these places of, of trust issues, right? And because God is like the ultimate father, you come into this relationship with God and you're like, I know I should trust you, but just tell me where it's going so that I can have the sense of security. But God's like, it's a false sense of security because you're not going to be able to know the way to get there. I just need you to go and do this thing. You're like, well, I want to figure out you. Anybody like... If you grew up with an absent father or a father who wasn't wise or a father who wasn't strong, you try to like skip these things because you just like, just need a sense of control. It's just like, right? And so you're like, God, I want my marriage to look like this. And God's like, so forgive your husband for not putting the dishes away last night. You're like, but that has nothing to do with this. And God's like, no, it does, but I can't explain it to you because you don't think that it does. Right? And putting dishes away is... is it's difficult because the counter is right there and there's nothing on it. It's like, we should, we should put something on the counter there because there's nothing on it. Like, counters, you ought to, come on, men. Men are like, this is a trap. I shouldn't do this, right? Like, I shouldn't, right? I was like, it's just, and then we put them in the dishwasher. You're going to move them anyways. And so we're just like, we just want to help you. That's what we're here for. So listen, your relationship with your dad. Now, my relationship with my dad was good because my dad was wise and my dad was stronger than I was. Right? And so, because I've seen some of your homes, and I'm like, if, if you had two-year-old Corey, two-year-old Corey would be like, Mom and Dad, this has been great. I appreciate all the things that you've done, but I'll take it from here. Where's the checkbook? <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'd run most of your homes. 
But my dad was wise and my dad was strong. And my dad rarely forgot something that he said because he rarely misled me. So when I translate that into a relationship with God, my father, I'm like, oh, that's how that works. That makes sense. So when my dad would be like, don't play on the road, I wouldn't be like, why? I would just do it. And then I would see the truck go by and be like, oh, right. So you get wise in retrospect because you obeyed first, right? But my mom had a different relationship with her dad. Now, now, my, my grandpa, he was like Irish, so he was like, in a good mood, you couldn't touch him. He was amazing, you know, he was hilarious, but he was also a little crazy. You got an Irish people in the house? Yeah, it's okay. Um, so he'd go from like high highs to low lows, and then it was like walking on eggshells, and you didn't know what was going to happen in the house. It was just, it was crazy, right? And so, so she comes to a relationship with God, and one day God told her to do something, and this is what she said to me. She said, I started talking back to God and like started a conversation back and like, cause she didn't really want to do that. And then God said to her, are you ready? God said to her, Beth, don't try that cute stuff on me. I'm not your dad. Cause my mom was my dad's favorite and she could get away with things. And God's like, I'm not like that. I'm not going to forget what I told you cause it's for your good. And I'm better than your dad was. Come on now. Pastor Aaron said this, Pastor Aaron said this to tell you, and I thought it was kind of mean, but I'm going to tell you anyways. It's not her. She said, stop waiting. Tell him, she said, stop waiting and hoping God's going to give you a different command that you actually want to do. Stop waiting for the next thing. God's not going to forget the last thing because your life and the success of your life is built on the last thing that he told you to do. Now, listen, here's, here's our, here, here it is right here. People are miles away from their destiny. That might be you, but inches away from the last thing God told them to do. Because you're like, your, your road is winding out here. Now, there is a way to jump that loop back to your destiny because you're only inches away from doing the last thing God told you to do. Do you remember what it was? Hey, you were supposed to tell somebody the last time you watched that on TV. You were supposed to tell somebody, but you didn't. Then you go down these roads and you start hearing things, but it's not really God anymore. Come on. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've gone through Psalm 51 a lot. How do you know? Because it's been the story of my life too. And, and you might be miles from your destiny, but inches from the last thing God told you to do. That would get you back on track. Just inches away from it. It's not that difficult. Don't worry about the future. God's got the future. Just worry about the next turn. And some of we need to go back and be like, oh, that's the next turn. And then we start building again. And you'll be surprised how fast you can build when you're building on a good foundation. Which means you're not as far from recovery as you think you are. Because in human terms, it's going to be a while. And you're not going to get there. Because you don't know all the things and you don't have all the power. But when God gives you directions, he's got the power. He'll pay the bill. He'll pay the bill. He'll pay the water bill too. He'll pay the forgiveness bill. He'll pay the things you've done in your marriage bill. He'll pay the, you're not a great friend. He'll pay the, you're not a great employee yet bill. He'll pay it when he's like, Hey, just do the next thing. Just do this thing. Now, how do you write a song inside of a fish? Here's a few things you're going to find in Jonah's song. You got to stop trying to be the hero of your own song. Mom, stop trying to be the hero of your kids. God's got to be the hero. It's okay to be the villain sometimes and just be like, hey, yeah, I know. I, in spite of all the things I've done, God, you're the hero of this story. If anything good happens, it's you. 
If anything bad happens, that's on me. And when you learn the principle of that, and sometimes people are like, Pastor, you know, you've got this great church, it's only five years old, and you're doing I'm just like, that's great. I'm like, thank you. But secretly, you know what I'm thinking? But for the grace of God. I'd probably be in jail, but for the grace of God. Like, let's be honest. I'm like, thank you. We work hard, but this is God. This is God's house. It belongs to God. Everything good that happens belongs to God. You, you can't be the hero of that song. This is God's song. Now, how do you write a song inside of a fish? Because you can't write on like fish insides, right? How do you write it? Because this song is actually memor this song is actually written after the fact, after three days of being inside of a fish, this song is written down for all of eternity that this is the song that Jonah wrote that turned his entire story around. Now, this song is written inside a fish where you can't like, oh, my pen's not working. You don't have like a phone that is locked in on Siri because there's no cell phone reception inside of a fish, trust me. Is this not working for you? How do you record a song? You do it the old fashioned way. You internalize it and you say it to yourself over and over and over and sooner or later, if it's the truth of Christ in there, sooner or later, it will rewrite your story and your future. Because now you have a template to go on. Even though in the sermons to come, you're going to find out that Jonah messes up even more. Um, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. My great trouble. He's owning it now. My great trouble. This is not about the Assyrian monsters that I don't even want saved. I want them to die horribly. I want them to die in pain because they're awful, awful people. Listen to the last sermon. They're terrible people, what they've done to us. He's not, he's not worried about them anymore. He's not worried that God told him to go and preach a sermon that they could repent to. He's not even thinking about that. He's like, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. I got myself in this fish. That had nothing to do with them. I called out to the Lord from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths. Listen. Just be honest. But sometimes when you're honest, it's not actually factual. He said, you threw me? I remember last week's sermon. God didn't throw him. He made the other sailors throw him into the water. He could have just like stepped over the edge and just delivered them from guilt. But he literally sat there in the boat and chained up. He's like, you're going to have to throw me in because I'm way too worried about survival right now. God didn't throw him in there. But he's being as honest as he can. And that's all that it takes. Don't worry about it. God will, God will sort it out. Just be as honest as you can. I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, oh Lord, you've driven me from your presence. God's like, I'm not, I didn't pick the fish. Like I'm gonna use the fish. This is the power of God. I'm gonna use the fish that your decisions landed you in. I can use it, but I didn't pick it. I didn't drive you from my presence. You ran away. You paid the ticket for the boat, man. You did it. You're riding the ride, man. You wanted it. It's not me. Yet I will. Ready? Look once more towards your holy temple. This is where, when the worst day of your life happens, you stop and you say, but I will, maybe not today, but I will look towards your holy temple. But there will be a day when I pass into the next life, when all of this gets sorted out, and I'm in a land where there's no tears and no crying and no sorrow and no sin, where there's just you, Lamb of God, 
and it's just heaven and we're just there with you. I'm going to look forward to that day. This world, you will, have, you will have trouble, Jesus says, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. When you from inside of the fish are like, but even if everybody leaves me, you would still be my God and I would still be okay. Because that's what I need. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. I think sometimes every fish seems like a new fish. But you've been in fish before. Haven't you? It's just hard to remember the last fish when you're in your current fish. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. I remembered the faithfulness of God. I remembered you. You are holy. You are not divided. You're not like me at all. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. He's saying, I'm the villain. You were right all along. But I will. Are you ready? Our verse for the day. I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I, I'm going to sing a song of praise in my worst moment and I will fulfill all my vows. I'm going to back up to that. I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Come on up worship. I will fulfill all of my vows. I've been thinking about that this week. What does that mean for you and for me? I will fulfill all my... Some of you grew up in church and you're coming back to church now. We just baptized like 36 people. Some of those people, like not everybody's like brand new. Some people like grew up in church, kind of knew the way, but kind of got off the GPS. You know what I'm saying. We went out and all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own path. But the Lord, it says, has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Monster, say amen. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And some of us, when we were little, though, we grew up in the house of God, and we knew. We knew God. And, and we made promises when we were in Sunday school, when we were singing our songs, when we were... We made promises to the Lord like, like this. Here's a promise I made, because I grew up in church. I made this, like, I'm going to follow you, God, and only you. I'm not going to love anything else but you. And, and if they make me choose, I'm going to choose you. Because you are the way and the truth and the life. And there's no salvation in any other name. And I'm going to... Jacob is inside of a fish when he's running for his life from his brother Esau because he tricked him. And he's like, of everything that I earn, God, I'm going to give you back one-tenth because it belongs to the Lord. And the Lord makes up Jacob a great nation and turns his entire situation around, makes him wealthy even though everybody's ripping him off. But he made the vow and he wrote the song when he was sleeping on a rock for a pillow. He made it in a hard, hard night. The vows that you make when you're young, like I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to seek those. I'm going to have friends that fear the Lord. Some of you, you're like new and this is all new to you. But here's what I want to say. When you make a vow to the Lord and a promise to the Lord, don't make a promise you think you can keep. Make a promise you think you should make. That's the difference. Because... Okay, this is new, this is new. 
This is new. This is not in my notes because I don't write painful things down. The promise you think that you can keep is not going to be big enough because one day you'll break it. And I realized in some great, great painful and, and moments of suffering in my life that I am not even capable of keeping my vows to God. Because with enough pain, I would fall away from him and so would anybody. If you don't think that, you just haven't experienced that kind of pain. There's a breaking pain that will break you. And the reason that I follow God now is because God, it was his power that caused me to keep my vows. And only him. Because salvation comes from the Lord and it doesn't come from you. And I made the promise that I had to make and God helped me to that promise and gave me the spirit to keep those promises when nothing inside of me could do it. Somebody needs to make a vow to the Lord today. Some of you haven't given your lives to God and you need to like make this, I'm going to serve you God. Like I've, I've served everything else. I've tried everything else. Nothing is taking me to where you want me. This song is the song where the spirit is going to be moving over the waters and it's a song like Jonah would have sung but he might have been singing the spirit was moving under the water too. And the spirit was moving and come breathe on us again, Holy Spirit of God. Come show us the vows and the promises that we have made. Show us the ones that we need to make today, Father, and then give us the power to keep them.